Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Today on the show, we're going to get you ready for Hawks and Heat Game 3 as the series is now shifted back here to State Farm Arena. What the Braves need to do in their next nine. They've got an interesting little stretch coming up, and Mike Tyson helps somebody pay their stupid tax. Talk about all of that next. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. We thank you so much for being a part of the show. Welcome into another edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We ask you to head over to our YouTube page. Put in the browser, Locked On Sports Atlanta. When you find it, subscribe to it. Give us a review. Tell us what you think of the show. And, of course, follow me on my Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Well, we get ready. Uh, Hawks and Heat tonight from State Farm Arena. The series shifts back from Miami over to Atlanta. Hawks down 0-2, of course, in this series. And now it becomes must-win for the Atlanta Hawks, not just not just tonight's game, but Sunday's game as well. They have to win the next two at State Farm Arena to keep uh, making this a series. So a few things about the game tonight and about what the Hawks need to do to make sure that they get a victory uh, tonight. Number one is all hands on deck. So if you're playing tonight, you better contribute. Gallinari the other night in game two, while he played well in game one, in game two, 0 for 6 from the field, 0 for 4 from three. Bogey and Trey, obviously, in game one, didn't play well. One for 20 from the field, 0 for 11 from three, you lose. Trey Young, too many turnovers, but two for 10 from three-point range. Herter's been inconsistent. It's all hands on deck now. you know. And Kevin Herter yesterday wrote a uh, letter, if you will, in the Players' Tribune talking about, hey, we've been here before. We know what the situation is. We're not giving up. We're here for Atlanta. We're not ready to go home yet. Okay, cool. I'm all with you. Let's play like it then. So tonight has to be all hands on deck. We do know that Clint Capella is not going to be in this evening. So we know he is out. Whether he comes back on Sunday, not really sure. They're just kind of taking this thing day by day right now with Capella. But without him, obviously, Collins has to be a low post presence. Now, the second thing that the Hawks have to do tonight is, remember, they are the number three three-point shooting team in the NBA this year. They have to make their outside shots. They have to make their three-point shots. You know, Trey the other night was not good from three, two for 10. It really hurt them. And while Bogey went off, you had four of your starters that combined to be three for 20 from three-point land. And Herter himself was only three for seven. So guys are going to have to step up and make shots. And we've been kind of talking about this all series long, that Miami is one of the better defensive teams in the league. You have, I think it's the fourth best defensive team against what I believe is the top one or two offensive efficient teams in the NBA. So when the Hawks get their open shots, you know, it's hard enough as it is to move the ball around and find an open shot against a good heat defense. But when you do find those open shots, you got to hit those things. You know, you, you can't afford to miss the open ones because they are few and far between. Now, Bogdanovich of the night was just lights out, even with guys hands in his face, guys up in him, you know, guys covering him like crazy. Didn't matter. Bogey was unconscious. But the rest of this team has really shot poorly from three-point land. I think they were 27% in game one, only 30% in game two, where they're close to 38% overall on the season. So they have to make their threes tonight. 
they have to get going with Trey, with Bogey, with Herter, get those guys starting to hit some threes early. The, set, the third thing is they have to ride this wave of momentum. I said the other day on the show, I think that you're going to see early on in this game, both teams try to throw some big haymakers and get on a quick run, get the pace going, get out to an early lead, because obviously the Heat feel like, okay, we can take the crowd out. And I really do expect that tonight's crowd at State Farm is going to be raucous. We've seen them in the playoffs before. Obviously, home court advantage is a definite thing. And the and the, the Hawks, by the way, are magnificent. They they finished the year 20-3 and three, uh, after January 17th at home. So they were magnificent to wrap up the home season at uh, State Farm. But I do think there's going to be a big advantage tonight. Well, the Heat are going to come out and try to knock them out early. Try to get on a big run early. Hit a few big threes. Get a couple of big dunks. Get that crowd out of it. Because if they can find a way to get the crowd out of it and start to take the Hawks away from it, if they feel like they can steal game three, this series will be over. Well, Heat win tonight, this series is over. I don't want to hear about coming back and this and the other. I mean, I appreciate all that, but 3-0 is 3-0 in, in a seven-game series. So look for the Heat to throw some haymakers. Hawks have to ride that. Now, I think the Hawks themselves are going to try to throw some haymakers because I do think that there is sort of a general sense that even the Heat know this is a series. Just because the Heat have won two games at home, and no question about game two was a very winnable game for the Atlanta Hawks. You know, they got that thing to 104-101, and then it was Huck a bad shot. Here's a bad turnover. That leads to a three. This leads to a dunk. And they could just never get back within that realm. But they had their shots. They, they had multiple opportunities where – that was just a one-possession game that they could have very much won on a night where the Heat played okay, but there was foul trouble. There was this, there was that. Jimmy Butler went off, but nobody else did with him. So it's a situation where I think the Hawks know that they think the Heat are probably in a series, and they know that that the Heat realize that and understand how good the Atlanta Hawks are. Maybe if we could swing and knock them out early, then they kind of take their foot off the gas, being the Miami Heat, and say, okay, Let's kind of regroup and get ready for Sunday. We're still in good shape. We're up 2-1. If we just split, you kind of put that mindset into them. So look for both teams. You know, I describe it as Hagler versus Hearns. Go back and watch that fight if you never saw it. If you, you know, all you young people out there, Google who Tommy Hitman Hearns and Marvelous Marvin Hagler are. But haymaker, 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 haymaker. Let's see who can take that early blow and make something happen uh, out of uh, all of it. And uh, one of the other things that the Hawks have to do, if you will, number four, uh, if you will, is the fact that they have to continue to rebound the basketball well. Without Clint Capella and without having that inside defensive presence, they have to rebound the basketball well. Look, by and large, Bam Adebayo and P.J. Tucker have been non-factors in this series. Um, Deadman's been a little bit, but not much. They haven't gotten a lot out of their front court, not just from a scoring standpoint, but just none of those guys have put up any kind of big numbers as far as rebounding. They really haven't taken advantage of Capella not being in this series. They've, they've not taken advantage of that. And Collins is a guy who now that he's back in the starting lineup, you know, we've talked about, okay, 21 minutes in his first game back coming off the bench. Then he starts the other night, plays 29 minutes. Is he ready to, if need be, and pressed into it, can he give you, let's say, 
35, 36, 37 minutes tonight. Because with him being their only real inside presence, and with all due respect to a Congo, he's just a short minutes kind of role player. He does some good things, but asking him in this environment to stay with it is probably asking a lot. And you're not asking Gallinari to go down and bang around and, you know, knock guys around and all that kind of stuff. So he's got to play well. Uh, and let's see how many minutes that he's able to grab uh, tonight for the Atlanta Hawks. Should be fun. Be a, a good environment. I think the Hawks do win, by the way. Uh, I think they take care of business. I think the crowd gets it going. I think the Hawks, um, you know, come back on Sunday down only two to one. All right. When we get back, the Atlanta Braves are coming back home. First day off yesterday. And about to start a stretch of nine games that are very, very winnable before they head up to Gotham and take on the Mets. What do the Braves need to do over these next nine? We'll talk about that next. It is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back here on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube page. Really appreciate everybody being a part of our new community for Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a review. Tell us what you think about the show leave a comment and of course follow me on my twitter page you can catch up with me at jmch316 well if you can believe it the atlanta braves actually had a day off yesterday so their first day off of the season after 14 straight games braves obviously sitting at six and eight currently four games out of first place in the uh, nl east no real worries or concerns there i mean at this early in the year you can't really get hung up about 14 games it is interesting that the braves are a minus 14 on the season as far as run differential goes. But the Atlanta Braves coming back home start a series tonight against the Miami Marlins. So over the next nine games, before they end up going up to Gotham to take on the New York Mets, the division-leading New York Mets who are sitting at, at 10 and 4, the Braves will play three against the Marlins at home. They will play three against the Chicago Cubs at home. And then they will head down to the state of Texas and they will take on the Texas Rangers for three games. And then after that, they hit the road, and they go up to Gotham and take on the Mets. But that nine-game stretch that is coming up here, those three teams, the Marlins, Cubs, Rangers, are a combined 14-23 and 23 on the season. Rangers are 3-9. and nine. They're one of the worst teams, if not the worst team, in the American League. Marlins, of course, are not very good. They're 5-7. and seven. Cubs are, eh, and, and probably not all that good. They've lost three in a row. They're at six and seven right now. So this is a stretch. And one of the things that I love about baseball is you, you look at blocks of games where a team has a schedule that's favorable, difficult, whatever. You can really take baseball into blocks before something else happens. What do I mean by that is, you have nine games against three bad teams before you take on the division leader, right? So you have a chance to take this stretch. So it kind of micro, you know, you, you kind of microcosm the season into smaller blocks and things like that. Well, this is an important nine game stretch for a team that has been up and down and you've played San Diego and you've played the Dodgers and one night your pitcher goes out with five innings and no runs. The next night, your pitcher goes out with five innings and five runs. And that pattern just keeps going. And we're stretched out. We're not stretched out. We're, you know, we're, we're loving, we're touching, we're whatever we're doing out there with all this stuff. But right now, the Braves have been a very average baseball team. There's been some good things, been some not so good things out there. 
but this is a stretch for the Braves to get healthy. Combination of six of nine at home and the road games that you, the first series of road games that you go on are literally against maybe the worst team in the American League or in Major League Baseball. They're certainly one of the bottom feeders in the Texas Rangers. So you have to make some hay here. And when we talk about these little stretches, before you head up to New York, this should be a nine-game stretch where the Braves really get right. I'm talking about seven and two, right? I don't want to hear about five and four. I don't want to hear about, you know, well, this happened or that happened. And going, no, these are the, the Miami Marlins stink. Let's call it like it is, right? They bring over Jorge Soler. He's hitting a buck 47. Okay. I mean, you know that they're not very good. They're in free fall mode. It, it's funny. Five years ago, go look at that Marlins roster. If I told you five years ago, you'd have a team in the National League that would have Christian Yelich, Marcelo Zuna, JT Real Muto, D. Gordon, all these guys out there. Giancarlo Stanton was on that team. Remember that team? That was the Miami Marlins. Five, literally five years ago, that was the Miami Marlins. And look where they are now. <clears throat> They're a glorified AAA team with what they've got going on. And a piece here and a piece there and all that kind of stuff. The Cubs are in free fall mode. They, they are in rebuild mode. Rizzo's gone. Brian is gone. Lester's gone. All those pieces that were part of their World Series championship team, by and large, from a few years ago, Schwarber gone. You know, there's a piece here and a piece there. But by and large, that team is gone. So they're they're in sort of rebuild, free fall. We're not spending a whole crap ton of cash type of mode. We're rebuilding. The Rangers, I don't know what the hell the Rangers are. The Rangers, the Rangers are always in, in rebuild mode. I mean, the Rangers are always sort of a second fiddle down there. I don't know what they're what they're doing or whatever like that. They, you know, they bring in Seeger, they pay him, you know, a, a gobsmack of money or whatever like that, and they're still not very good. So the Braves really have to get right. They have to get their pitching, starting pitching, to get more consistent. Now, Austin Riley will be back tonight. He's coming off the paternity leave. Congratulations to him and his wife on their new addition uh, to the family. We also got word yesterday that Sean Newcomb has been dealt uh, in exchange for you know an old familiar face, Jesse Chavez, who is 38 years old. Um, and that's only what he tells you. I think really he's probably... 73 and just they don't know how to really track it or whatever but um so jesse chavez okay fine whatever who cares i mean but but the braves have to get healthy now and it's a combination of number one is they have to start getting consistent in their starting pitching and that means honestly freed morton anderson because all three of those guys have had up down dow jones kind of stuff and i understand and and we're uh, you know, guys didn't get stretched out in spring and we didn't have an extended spring training and this thing. Okay, well, you're eight days away from going back to 26-man rosters and being past some of this. Now is the time to start getting this thing figured out. You know, Morton threw 95 pitches the other day. So he's stretched out. Okay, with all due respect, he's stretched out ready to go. They need to get some consistent starting pitching. The other part is they have to get consistent in excuse me, in their offense. <coughs> the top of the order with Matt Olson, especially has been fantastic. Now I would expect that we will see sooner rather than later, Ronald Acuna Jr. Come back uh, and, and be a part of this lineup, how they use him, where he hits. Well, I shouldn't say where he hits, but, but where he plays, 
how all that is figured out, we'll have to see how Snitker and the medical staff think that he's come along and all that kind of stuff. But their lineup has had some good things at the very top of the order. They just have not had enough consistency through the rest of the lineup to kind of put a string of hits together and drive in enough runs. Hence, and again, as I said, this is kind of a crazy stat when you think about the Braves offense, just they're a minus 14 on the season. I wouldn't have expected, even with some bad pitching, okay, because everybody's going to have some bad pitching. I mean, that's not that's not unique to the Braves or anything like that. And and certainly the Braves, you know, have some quality starters, but they just haven't gotten enough consistency out of some guys. Now, Matt Olson has been outstanding, but you look, because of him hitting at the top of the order, he's got 20 hits, he's hitting 400, he's got a 516 on base percentage, a 640 slugging but he has two homers and two RBI on the season. And he's got 12 uh, walks, uh, by the way, which is almost twice as many as anybody else on the club. So he's doing his job, but because he's not in a run-producing role, you're not taking advantage of the kinds of numbers that he's putting up right now. And they're not getting terrible. I mean, look, having Riley back, <clears throat> that's a big help. He's at 292 on the season. Ozuna's off to a good start. He's at 291 on the season. But they've got to get some of these other guys that are toward the bottom of their order. Darno's off to a good start. He's at 297. But Ozzy's kind of struggled coming out of the gate. Obviously, Dansby has really struggled coming out of the gate. He's got 22 strikeouts and 53 at-bats. Oh, sorry, 22 strikeouts and 49 at-bats. 53 plate appearances, but 22 strikeouts in 49 at-bats on the season. So they've got to get more consistent up and down their lineup offensively the way that we thought that this thing would look. You can say lineups aren't stretched out or spread. I don't really want to hear that. Because, again, everybody is dealing with the same things across Major League Baseball. The Mets are dealing with the same thing. The Dodgers have dealt with the same thing, right? Everybody's dealing with the same thing. So the Braves weren't unique. They didn't make the Braves not play, you know, spring training the way that everybody else did. But this is a stretch with these three teams, six at home, three on the road, that before you go up to Gotham, Braves need to be seven and two and get this ship turned around and let's get this thing figured up. And then we go up to New York and let's, you know, bombs away and see what happens up there. All right. When uh, we get back on hitting heart with John Chuckery, uh, we're going to talk about Mike Tyson, uh, who helped a guy collect his stupid tax the other day. I don't know what the hell is wrong with people in today's world. It is hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckry here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube page. Just put that in the browser, Locked On Sports Atlanta. You'll find us very easily. Hit the subscribe button, be a part of the community. And of course, you can follow me on my Twitter page at JMCH316. You know, there used to be a time in life where there were certain people and certain times when you had to pay a stupid tax, right? I mean, if you don't know what that is, Sometimes in life, when you do something stupid, the karma of that is going to come and catch up with you. Well, take the incident here with Mike Tyson on this airplane. So Mike Tyson the other day was on a flight uh, in San Francisco where a guy behind him was harassing him. And it actually at first it started out that I believe that they took a selfie and this, that, and the other, and the guy wouldn't let it go. And it turned into a situation where the guy ended up throwing a water bottle, I guess is what it was, and hit Mike or whatever. And Mike turned around and started slugging him. Okay. Now, 
so many things about this, all right? Number one, we live in a culture and society today where being famous, even if it's for all the wrong reasons, is most important, right? You, you get on uh, the, 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 the tic-tac, the zip-zap, the insta-chat, the face-gram thing, whatever. You get on there and you post your stupid video, right? You're, you're doing a dance in the middle of traffic. You know, you're, you're doing something stupid. You're taking a gun and you're shooting water pellets. All of these things that you think are going to make you famous for being a nimrod. And with those people, a lot of them deserve to pay a stupid tax. So that's where the culture is. Get your camera phone out, film everything, and see if I can get famous. The other part is that we live in a society where get your camera phone out, I'm going to sell footage, I'm going to make money, I'm going to get paid by TMZ or whatever bag of donuts you know, organization that there is. Okay, But what we haven't learned in society is that there is a decorum of behavior and there are certain people in this world that you just don't mess with. And Mike Tyson is one of them. Now, Mike Tyson is a totally different person than what he has been in the past. He's much more calm. He's talked about that in interviews. He's got his line of uh, cannabis products. You know, he's got the, the little mini ears, right? He's got the little ear with the little bite mark out of the ear and this and the other. He takes care of his pigeons and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, and he's a different guy now. And, and part of that is just age and everything else. You grow out of that and that rage is not there anymore. That need to get that rage out, like when he was in his prime and boxing, isn't there anymore. But why would you go about, and I know he's probably drunk and all that kind of stuff, but somebody has to be the adult. You know, in this video, you don't see the guy's buddy going to help him when Mike Tyson's pummel on. He's sitting there with the camera phone. Oh, let me film this. It's funny. <laughs> so I can sell it to TMZ and all this, that, and the other. You know? It's a sad state of affairs where we feel like we have to goad somebody into acting bad to get some sort of satisfaction in our own lives over all of that. You know, obviously, I a thousand percent support Mike Tyson. I actually feel bad that he left the guy in as good a condition as what he did. Go back to a scene. This is, you know, for all you old people, you'll know this for. All of you young people, Google this. <clears throat> There's a scene in the movie Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood, who plays the kind of renegade cop and all this kind of stuff. And the killer's name is Scorpio. And there's a situation where Scorpio is being harassed or he's being watched all the time by Clint Eastwood. And he feels like he can't get away and, and go do the thing that he wants to do, which is, you know, he's a, he's a killer. Okay? So... He goes and pays a guy in like a sewer to beat the snot out of him. Sits in a chair and he pays the guy to beat the daylights out of him. And he ends up in the hospital and he says, a Callahan did it, Callahan did it. You know, it was a whole setup and all this kind of stuff. And he went on TV and all this kind of stuff. And so there's a scene where the police chief and Dirty Harry are in the, in the office and they show it and they're watching the TV broadcast and the chief says, well... Harry, what do you have to say about that? And Harry says, well, obviously I didn't do it. What do you mean? How, why is that? 
because he looks too damn good. And that's what should have happened in this situation with Mike Tyson. I feel bad that he probably really didn't make an example out of somebody like that because, and, and Mike Tyson obviously didn't want to get arrested and I get that kind of stuff. But there comes a point in time where sometimes in life, somebody has to pay a stupid tax. And that's what this situation was begging for. Sometimes in life, you have to stop with the cameras and the drunkenness and the being a nitwit and being a knucklehead in an environment and you take the beating that really is coming to you. Because let me tell you what's going to happen now. Let me tell you, because this is where we're at in society too. There's nothing about society. I find a lawyer. Everything is litigious. I'm going to sue. There's a line of guys lining up right now that would gladly take a case for this jabron and sue Mike Tyson claiming whatever, right? That That's where we're at. It's not just, hey, you know what? You did something stupid. You, you had some, you had a guy that you shouldn't mess with. You put bad karma out in the world and you took a beating for it. And, he, and again, he could have taken a hell of a lot worse. That's still Mike Tyson. That's still old man, crazy man, strong, don't mess with Mike Tyson, who'd still knock you out with one punch if you stood in front of him and said, go for it, champ. But that's where we're at with society, isn't it? Let's act a fool. Let's have bad behavior. Let's get imbibed. Let's get the camera phones out. Let's create a scene. Let's make a disturbance. Let's see if we can get on TMZ. Let me put this on my Tic Tac. Let me put this on my flip flop. Let me put this on my Insta face. Let me put this on my gram book, whatever it is. That's how we get. It can't be that in society, we become famous because we work and we achieve and we get this and we do that. And we have a talent or a skill. People just want to be stupid out there. And I firmly believe that's what it is. You don't have to be old, intelligent, bright, knowledgeable to understand that you don't mess with a guy like Mike Tyson, ever. Even if you're ticked off at him, he's not doing what you're asking to do. There's no reason to push a guy like that. And as I said, I'm just a little bit ashamed that he didn't pay more of a stupid tax because there are people like that in this world that maybe deserve to get that beating that sends a message to everybody else before they try it. All right, we thank you so much for being a part of the community, hitting hard with John Chuckery. We make it your... Make sure you make that your first listen every day. And don't forget, uh, make your second listen, ATL Day Ones. My buddy Jarvis Davis and my friend Tanitra Batiste as well. Speak to the heart of the city of Atlanta. Two friends just talking Hawks, Falcons, Braves, Bulldogs, everything with you. Step into the conversation and stay a while. ATL Day Ones is part of Locked On Sports Atlanta as well. If you go to Locked On Sports Atlanta, you're going to find free and available on our YouTube channel, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe, as we've been saying, you know, be a part of the community leave us a comment, tell us what you think. And of course, give me a follow on my Twitter page at JMCH316. We get back Monday. We will recap certainly what the weekend looked like for the Atlanta Hawks. And as they get ready to head back, hopefully back uh, to Miami, hopefully the series won't be over, but I think we're in good shape coming tonight. So we'll recap all that. Everybody have a great weekend. It is hitting hard with John Chuckery on Locked On Sports Atlanta.